But today I want to focus on drawing near to God. And we look at the book of Hebrews. A little bit of background here. First of all, authorship is really unknown. There's been a lot of debates as to who wrote the book, uh, this letter to the Jewish community. Um, I've not heard anything that's definitive. Some say the Apostle Paul, some say some uh, other people. But ultimately, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. We do know this, that the audience was Jewish Christians, those who had come to Christ out of Judaism and were now believers in Christ. And so the central issue in the book of Hebrews is this to keep Jewish Christians from returning to Judaism. Now, that is true, because when you go through at least chapters 1 through 3, Christ is better than Moses, Christ is better than the angels, and it, it really is uh, a way of elevating Christ over everything that is Judaism. However, let me say this, that I do know, and I uh, have a good friend, Kurt Glebe, he is a Jewish Christian who still practices the tenets of Judaism, but as he practice, practices those tenets of Judaism, he also emphasizes Christ. The issue here, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're Jewish. They, they can do that as long as they emphasize Christ. But the central issue here in the book of Hebrews is Jewish Christians who were being tempted to go back to Judaism and away from Christianity. That's the real issue in the book of Hebrews. So it's, it's not saying that uh, Jewish Christians today can't, can't practice all the, the, the feast and all that, but they do have to emphasize Christ, that Christ is better than this. Uh, but anyway, so it is a warning to keep people, to keep the Jewish Christians from returning to Judaism. For us as Gentiles, we could say, uh, to stay in Christ rather than to try legalism, if, if you want to put it in a contemporary context for us. But let's uh, look here. And, and by, by the way, this is all about the invisible. This, this whole series here in chapter 11 is all about the invisible. Uh, actually, the sermon title could have been uh, in, Invisible. But as you're going to see this as we, as we go along this morning. First of all, Faith sees the unseen, verses 1 through 3. Faith sees the unseen. Now, you'll notice here the author writes, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Pistes is the Greek word for faith, which means complete trust and reliance upon something. And in this case, it would have to be Christ. It would be um, the faith which we initially uh, instituted in Christ where we joined him in union by faith, not by works the Apostle Paul would write uh, in Ephesians. So the issue here is faith. Now there are several views, uh, current theological views about this, uh, about this, this uh this verse here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There's three views. The first view um, is by Eigrich Grasser. He was a German theologian, and he pointed to the ethical commands. Hebrews has no Christological or Christian content. It merely teaches ethics. 
Um, Grasher died in 2017, still holding this view that when you come to the book of Hebrews, you're really dealing with not so much Christological teachings or Christian content. You're merely learning how to live ethically in the world. Now that view is still prevalent, but it has largely been disregarded as bad theology, which it is. A second one, J.T. Thompson, uh, focuses on the eschatological. Faith in Hebrews is futuristic. The shadow of things to come. These types of phrases point him to the fact that everything is futuristic. Although that is true in one sense, it is not true in another sense. So the third view, I think, is probably the best. It's Christological. William Lane, among other scholars, focus, the focus is on Christ in the New Testament now and the future. So here the issue is the faith that these people had back then is a present faith, and yet they have assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Now, if we look at that last phrase, assurance of things hoped for, we have hypostases elpizo. That's the phrase in Greek. And it refers to a confidence of looking forward. So in one sense, it is something, this, this pistis, this faith that we have, this, this faith which we cannot visibly show to the world, this faith is something that provides confidence for us as we look forward to the eschatological age of being with Christ in heaven. And of course, with Christ through all eternity. More importantly, this word refers to a deed. This word assurance refers to a deed. Now, back in the day, it meant a land deed. It was something uh, that they had that they would sign, that they would give, and you would own that land. And so when he says assurance of things hoped for, it, it's not something that is a blind faith. It is not something that, um, oh, I hope it's out there. No, it is an inward confidence on the part of the one who has believed that there is some type of inheritance waiting for that person. And it was given in form of a, of a land uh, deal, if, if you will. And today we could say, well, you have a deed on, on a house. That house is yours. Uh, particularly if people burn mortgages all the, all the time when they actually own the house. Well, uh, just like with, with a house, you make payments on the house, maybe 15, 30 years, and at the end of that, you get the mortgage and you burn it, and, and that is yours. And so this is exactly what's conveyed behind this assurance of things hoped for. It's the confidence of knowing something that we already possess that someday will come to fruition in our lives. And, and so the author here is trying to put faith on the pedestal. And works down here, if you, can, if you can see how this is unfolding. Because chapter 11 deals all with faith, the heroes of the, of the faith. And he, he goes on after the verses later, if you read the chapter, you'll, you'll, you'll see that there's a lot of by faith statements. By faith, Noah. And it just goes on and on and on. So he's trying to elevate faith right here in chapter 11. And then he said, in opposition to assurance of things hoped for, is the conviction of things not 
seen. Elenkos is the word for conviction, and it means proof, evidence, or anchor. I love this. Christ said that if we believe in him, that someday we will go to be with him. That's something that we keep in our hearts. It's not something that, well, I hope that happens someday. It is a confident conviction on the part of the believer that knows someday, someday we will see the author of our faith face to face. Now, when I talk about anchor here, this is a, I love this. This is, when I think of this verse, I always think of an anchor uh, the conviction, the, the proof, the evidence, the anchor of our faith. Notice he says, the conviction of things not seen. We live differently as believers. We live in a world that is visible. And we'll get to that in just a few minutes when we get into the next few verses. But we know as believers where our future lies. It's, it's not in this world. Our future is in Christ. Amen. should just type amen on your Facebook page there. Um, Timothy, Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day. Martin Luther said, the great Reformed theologian said, there's two days, today and that day. Until the day that has been entrusted to me. So here is the anchor of the Christian faith. It is not a wishful thinking. It is not a, oh, I hope this comes true. It is a conviction in the heart of the believer that knows that beyond the shadow of a doubt, no matter what happens in his or her life, that there is a day coming when our faith will bring us to the throne of Christ. Isn't that wonderful news? We see this evidence. We see this evidence in changed lives. My goodness, you look at the Apostle Paul. He was one of the greatest persecutors of the church to being one of the great persecuted. Uh, we see evidence in my life. When I trusted in Jesus Christ, my life is nothing like it was before. There may be remnants left over. I'm still goofy at times and funny. But ultimately, my life, maybe some of you are thinking he's not that funny, but um, uh, it's, you see it. You, you can see somebody that was so hard at one time in their life and now when they came to Jesus Christ, there is a softening, there is a changing. So there is evidence. There is physical evidence, or at least observable evidence, that, that faith has changed people's lives. And on and on and on, I mean, you could go. Um, it is evidence that God is at work. If I were to ask you to to post something right, right now on Facebook of something that God has done in your life, you can see the evidence of that faith being played out. Of course, there's also the spiritual dimension of, of faith, and, and that is when we're told in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the full armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That is also a, a, a faith issue, but you can't tell the world there's a, there's a dark spiritual dimension out there that is opposed to Christianity. Why? Because they don't have the faith, the conviction faith that we have. And all the more reason really to share the gospel. Now notice in verse 2, 
the writers talking about faith sees the unseen. For by it, the people of old received their, con their commendation. Martarto, martarto. And it means to think well of somebody in the sense of approving them. Now, there's no doubt the writer had here in mind the ancients, the elders, the men and women of the Old Testament. Because if you go on and read chapter 11, by faith Enoch was taken up. Um, by faith Noah, and you go on and, 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 and on and on. By faith Abraham believed God. Uh, by faith Sarah herself. It, it goes on and on. So there's no doubt that uh, we, we tend in our Christian culture to believe that faith was absent from the Old Testament, that uh, all they had was a set of laws and rules, which was true. They had the Levitical laws. They had the Levitical priest. Uh, they had sacrifices. Yes, they had that. But in our Christian mind, in our Christian way of thinking, we think, well, those people really didn't have faith. Well, Paul writes in Romans, that Abraham's obedience was accounted him as righteousness, and that righteousness was also accompanied by Abraham's faith in God, and he believed God and went away from his country. So here, what we have here is evidence from the Old Testament that faith has always been a vehicle that God used. And you get commendation from God when that faith is acted upon. So, we can talk here about a legacy to follow. A very pointed question this morning is, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Here the writer of Hebrews gives us a long list of people who evidenced faith, who put that conviction of things hoped for to action. Faith always calls us to do something. And here you can see that these people had faith and they left footprints. I like the footprints. And by the way, we will leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy will we leave? People, 10 years after your death, what will they say about you? Oh, he was, uh, he was a good person. Uh, hopefully they'll say he lived by faith or she lived by faith. That they, they, they followed God faithfully by faith and they lived the life according to what the scriptures were teaching. Hopefully that will be all of our legacies. That, with that when people come behind us, they'll go, you know what? Uh, I know what faithfulness looks like because I saw it in John. Uh, I know what faithfulness looks like because I saw it in Sally. That should be the goal of the Christian life, to finish well and to leave worthy footprints in the sand. And here, the writer reminds us, for by it, by it is what? By faith, the people of old receive their, com their commendation from God. There's also the supernatural. Notice in verse 3. And this is an interesting place to put this because this takes us all the way back to Genesis 1.1. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. That is, God spoke creation into existence. So that what is seen 
was not made out of things that are visible. Read that again. By faith, pistis, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, spoke, so that what is seen, what is visible, when I look outside our church doors, our windows here today, I can see a tree, I can see uh, a fence, I mean a grass, I, I, I can see all the creation that, that God has created, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. The word understand here means intellectual perception, which means that Christians don't need to have just blind faith. We can have an intellectual faith. We can have an intellectual dialogue with the lost world about the creation of the world. In, in, in fact, if you just do a random study on Google, you can see how all the elements in the universe they're just in the right position. We are just at the right axis that would sustain life. Did that just happen? No. It was part of a d divine creation. So what we're reading here is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Ray Stedman's one of my... Um, favorite theologians, and he writes something very profound here, um, which gives this, this idea, I just mentioned the word understand means intellectual perception, um, and to, maybe you could write this down, go back, review this, and then write this, this uh, statement down that Ray Stedman gives us. Um, faith understands that behind every visible is the invisible command of God. We know that to be true. The statement, what is seen, was not made out of what was visible, constitutes a scientific truth, truth which modern physicists recognize. Behind every visible is, the in, is invisible energy. Even physicists know that you can't have visible things without some type of visible or invisible force. Faith sees the unseen. I briefly hinted at it. Secondly, faith moves people to action. Faith moves people to action. In verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Of course, this goes back to Genesis. Uh, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was, commend he was commended as righteous, that is, uh, what is required of God, or you could say it this way, a righteous man, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Huge debates. Huge debates on what this means. Here's the two offerings. If you look on your screen there, you'll see that one uh, was given vegetables and one gave a lamb. So when we look at Abel, whose offering was better, one could deduce or at least arrive at the conclusion that Abel gave a living animal and Cain just gave vegetables. And that's one way to do it. The problem is there was no evidence of animal sacrifices at this point. That does come 
when we get to Leviticus. And scholars have debated this. There's, a, there's literally tons of debates on this. Now this is definitely a picture of Christ, a foretelling of a picture of Christ. But let me just say this. Do you know why I think do you know why I think God accepted Ain and rejected Cable's offering? Pistis. Faith. Faith. He says it right here. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. That's the way that we're to live our Christian lives, and it should remind us as believers that the central issue in our lives is not works. It works are a byproduct of faith. But if you do works without faith, it's not acceptable. It has to be a work of faith. It's, it's a huge difference, work plus faith. Or to say that I am working because of my faith. God has called me to do something, so by faith, I will do that. That is an acceptable sacrifice. That is an acceptable or commendable action when it comes from pistis, from faith, uh, confidence, and trust in Christ. When he tells us to do something, we do it, and we act on it by faith. Now, you also have to question sometimes if I feel God calling me to do something, you also have to go to scriptures and say, is what God is calling me to do contrary to his word? Because I'll tell you this, God would never tell you to do something that was contrary to his word. So you've got to be careful with that. But we still live by faith. And we, where, 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 do we, where do we understand faith? Right here. Right here in the word of God. This is where we discover faith. And we read the Bible and we say we're going to live by faith. Well, what does that look like? I've got a road map right here. Just follow this and you will live by faith. Do the tough things God calls you to do. Loving the neighbor that you have a tough time loving. Forgiving somebody that's hurt you or wronged you. You know, these are, these are faith issues. I think that's why God accepted Abel's sacrifice. I'm not sure what they gave had that much to do with it. But Abel gave it by faith. It doesn't mention that Cain gave his by faith. By the way, this is in the book of Genesis. Faith was always, always the vehicle by which we please God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For without faith, we can't do anything. We can do a lot of things, but if we don't have faith, it's not true faith in action. It would be a good point to remind us here. Romans 12.1, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. 
we present ourselves to God. The word holy means set apart, which we are set apart. Author uh, Peter writes, you know, we're, we're holy people, we're set apart. That set apart means that we're different. We are different. We are different in our intellectual understanding of the world. We are different in, in what we value as believers than what the world offers. We are different. We are set apart. And we're set apart so that we can live faith for the world, so that they can see Christ and be drawn to him. And I do believe that this spiritual act of worship is often overlooked or discounted, that somehow worship happens here on Sunday morning, which it does. But this is not the only day that worship happens. Worship happens every day in our lives, every moment of our lives, every second of our lives. This is an interesting phrase at, at the end of this. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. <laughs> what is that? That's legacy. That's legacy. Even though he dies, people can go back and say, you know what? Abel offered a better sacrifice by faith. So it's key. It's key. Notice here in verse 5 also, by faith, Enoch was taken up. This is verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. Rapture. <laughs> Rapture. And he was not found. That means people were looking for him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. The word taken. Metatephemy. Listen to this. This... this when you when this is why I like studying the language, because it, it adds richness to the to the language. Metatephemy means this refers to be being taken from one realm to another. So Enoch's walking along one day and poof, he goes to heaven. He is taken out of this realm and taken to the realm of the, of the kingdom of God. It is so rich that that he walked so honorably by faith Enoch walked so honorably that God took him to heaven I'm often asked and this may be a good verse for this I'm often asked have you ever noticed the good die young <laughs> maybe God's sparing them maybe maybe God sees I, one of the one of the big things when I was a young believer was Keith Green many of you remember Keith Green um, he had a beautiful voice, loved Jesus, died in a plane crash. Was it bad? I, I, when I think of Keith Green, I think of somebody that lived by faith. It was expressed in his music, and God took him home early. It was sad for us because we don't hear his voice anymore. But to think about it, he's in heaven worshiping God. So, yeah, Enoch... That he should not see death. And he was not found. People look for him. Have you seen Enoch? Have you seen Enoch? I haven't seen him. 
He's up in heaven. He's gone from this realm to the, to the next. That he should not see death, that is, experience physical death. The word pleased, have, as having pleased God, you are esto, you are esto, which means to have someone caused to be good or to be, uh, to have someone, God, to be well pleased with a person. So a good question for us today is, is God pleased with us? I can't answer that for you. But that's a good question to ask in our own lives. Is God pleased with me? Again, Ray Stedman, just liked his stuff this week. Uh, Enoch is an example of the readers of Hebrews of what the writers long to see happen to them. A steady daily growth in grace achieved by inner resources which God supplies to those who take him at his word and act in faith on what he has said. Faith sees the unseen. We know as believers that God created this universe. We know that God created us, the world, the, in, the individuals in the world. We also know by faith that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for our sins. And we also know by faith that God wants a relationship with people based on the fact that Christ died on that cross and to put our faith and trust in him. So that someday when this is over, um, we go to be with him. Assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Thirdly, well, I want to give you this before we go on. Ephesians 4.1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is our trail life motto, walk worthy. I tell the kids, um, we haven't met in a while, but I always tell the kids on three, what is our motto? One, two, three, walk worthy and then I, of course I, I mess with the kids and I say I didn't really hear you that I didn't really hear you that well so let's try it again one two three walk worthy and then I go good you got it that's a good call for us today walk worthy of the manner of Christ so that we please God with our lives that's what we want right we want God to be pleased with our lives but here's the deal you can't do it apart from faith Faith is the linchpin that holds all of us together. Without faith, oh, by the way, by the way, the last one, faith is the only way to please God. Let's look at this. I've been saying it, I've been hinting at it, the whole sermon. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. That excludes all other means of pleasing God. It, it, this is not how the system works. If I do a lot of good and I do some bad, as long as, the, as long as when I die the good outweighs my bad, I'll get to heaven. That is false. That is wrong. Uh, you're going to do bad in your life, but as a Christian, as you do bad, it should outweigh the good. But guess what? You're not getting in based on that. You're getting in based on faith. It is by faith that you please God. It is not by works. It is by faith and by faith alone in, in Christ that we please him. And from that faith 
God calls us to live faithfully by his word, whereby we go out and we follow by faith. Therefore, any act that we do in, a, in accordance with his word, any act that we do is commendable to God as long as we do it by faith. And without faith, it is impossible. <laughs> impossible, meaning you can't possibly do it apart from faith. You must be in faith. And I, I'm going to say this. There's a lot of people out there that do a lot of good things. I recently saw a CEO on television talking about all the food that they're offering to the, to the homeless and, and, and now they're expanding to the hospitals. That is a good work. That is a good deed. Now, I don't know whether that man saved and God called him to do this or what, but I'm telling you that there's a lot of unsaved CEOs out there that are doing a lot of good work, but it will not get them into heaven because it lacks the faith and trust in Christ. That's, that's the whole centerpiece of it. If you don't have faith in Christ, it doesn't, it's not going to matter. I love, you know, we're talking here in Hebrews about religion versus relationship. And I absolutely love what John MacArthur said here. He said, absolutely nothing from men can please God apart from faith. Religion does not please God. Please catch this. Religion does not please God because it is essentially a system developed by Satan to contradict the truth. The Jews thought they pleased God just because they were descendants of Abraham. But most of the time, they were displeasing to him. God works in themselves. God, good works within themselves do not please God. Without faith... It is impossible to please him. Your social status, your religious status has nothing to do with this. Has nothing to do with it. It is, am I in Christ or am I not? I've had people say to me, well, I, I don't believe in religious organizations. And my response is, neither do I. And they look at me with their head, God, what? I don't have a religion. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. The Southern Baptists did not save me, and many of you know I love Southern Baptists. I believe their doctrine is correct. But I'm going to tell you, I am a Christian first. I trusted in Jesus Christ back in the day, and he is my Lord and Savior. And uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is not going to get me into heaven. The Methodists are not going to get you into heaven. The Catholics are not going to get you into heaven. It is your relationship with Jesus Christ that gets you into heaven. It is your relationship by faith with Christ that gets you commendations from God. That's how you please God. It is by faith. I don't think I can say this too strongly. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything in our lives must be faith built on the idea of faith. This is a father and son. You think of a son, when you think of a good son, you think of a, a son that loves the father, uh, that obeys the father, um, that does everything that the father tells him to do, you would consider that a good son. And you know, that's, 
that's us. We want to be a good son and to be a good son or daughter of Christ means that we do the things that God has called us to do. And one of the big things that God has called us to do is to simply live by faith. To simply live by faith to please God. So whatever we do, God, I'm going to trust you. Your word says I need to do this and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to, I'm going to live by faith. I think in our hearts, many of you that are watching Florida, Texas, wherever else you're watching, I, I have a pastor's heart, and, and, my, and my heart says this. I believe if you're watching this today, you want to please God. I, I simply believe that. Now, if you've tuned in to us, and you, you don't belong to a church, and you've not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is what I want you to do. In order to get to heaven, you have to first admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're not perfect. Then you ask God for forgiveness of those sins. And then you simply invite Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. And then... Find a church. If you're in our area, you, you come to our church. Not right now because it's COVID. But you join us each Sunday here. And then when we're able to open up, you come to church physically. Because that's what faith would call us to do. Hebrews. says, don't forsake a meeting the assembly as is the practice of some. So we're to be in church. That's part of the faith movement. That we just come to church. For whoever. This is verse 6b. For whoever would draw near. To God. Must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. God is not a myth. By the way this word rewards. Refers to paymaster. That you will receive a reward for your works. But the works are based on faith. We've done this all the way through this sermon this morning. If you want to draw near to God, you can certainly draw near to God by praying, but draw near to God this is a reminder James 4 8 draw near to God and he will draw near to you that is a promise 